0: Live on Web episode, Recruiting Young Drivers, is sponsored by EBE Technologies.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Live on Web. My name is Joe Howard. I'm the executive editor of Transport Topics, and I'll be your host for today's program, which focuses on recruiting young drivers to the trucking industry. Today's Live on Web is sponsored by EBE Technologies. Driver recruitment and retention is one of the most enduring issues confronting fleets. As the current working workforce ages and nears retirement, the long-standing challenge of finding and keeping good drivers will only get more difficult. Millennials are the obvious choice to replace baby boomers who will be exiting the industry, but getting them behind the wheel is easier said than done. The good news is, some very smart people are hard at work in developing strategies to find that next generation of drivers and a few of them are here with me today. That'll start with Kevin Birch. He's the president of Dayton, Ohio-based Jet Express and chairman of American Trucking Associations. Next to him is Priscilla Peters, Vice President of Marketing and Training at Conversion Interactive, which specializes in driver recruitment and retention for the trucking industry and with whom TT partnered last month on the Recruitment and Retention Conference in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Next to her is Steve Bryan. He is the president of driver safety information firm Vigilo, which was recently acquired by Samba Safety. Steve, congratulations on that deal. Thank you. And last but certainly not least is an example of mm-hmm. the kind of person we'll be talking about during today's program, Rich Marriage of FedEx Freight. A professional truck driver and rookie of the year at last summer's National Truck Driving Championships. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, as we talk with this great panel we invite your participation. You can email your questions or comments to share at ttnews.com. If you're watching on the web you can comment directly in the box at the top of this page and if you're watching via Facebook Live simply enter your question into the comment box and with that we'll get underway. Kevin I'm going to start with you. Yours, Good morning. Good, morning. good afternoon. Yours is the uh, boots on the ground perspective on this matter, so I want to hear from you first. Tell us about Jet Express, your areas of specialty, routes you run, uh, and how that relates both to driver need, uh, recruitment, and retention, and maybe how recruitment and retention has changed versus a generation ago.
2: Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, number one, and uh, driver Mm -hmm. recruiting retention, whether it's uh, for the younger or the older, is very important. It's dear to all of us, and that's what makes uh, you know. I've always said the drivers drive the companies, Mm -hmm. and. uh, this is a great uh, opportunity to tell our story, if you will. Uh, Jet Express is a truckload carrier, primarily for the automotive industry. Uh, we've got uh, several hundred uh, trucks that uh, do daily dedicated closed loop round trip. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, really, uh, it's really a model that we've had for a lot of years that a lot of other companies now are, are going after, and that's because of the dedicated runs. Because as, as we all know, drivers want to be home more. That's one of the first things that they, they look uh-huh. for, and I'm sure that's what we're going to be talking about. But in in saying that, our model hasn't changed all that much in the last 10 or 15 years. We've had that dedicated run type, and and that's always been a good spot for us. Mm -hmm. And and younger uh, professional women and and men that are driving today on the highways and whatnot, we attract those people because so many of them still are out two or three days, Mm -hmm. and they can't get accustomed to it. But from saying that... We've stayed focused. We haven't changed that at all, and uh, you know we take pride in the fact that you know there's 500,000 different trucking companies, and we all operate in different ways, and we all have that niche, and our uh-huh. niche is dedication as uh-huh. far as dedicated runs. I said earlier, I think in the last 28 years, I've only had two drivers that said I'm home too much, <laughs> so we know that's that's a, that's a uh-huh. situation, uh-huh. so that that's what we do at our company.
1: Okay. So, Priscilla, when you hear Kevin talk about that, one of the things, you know, every trucking company is different. Everybody has their niche. Talk about how that affects, you know, recruitment. It's almost like every every situation is going to be a little different. How do you approach that?
3: And what's really important is what Kevin talked about, that really basically how you tell your story. And we we call it showing up in the moments that count Mm -hmm. because that's what's important. And today, and especially with younger drivers, what's so important is showing up in the moments that count in the digital and social media world mm-hmm. and I know we're gonna talk about that I'm sure that will come up a lot today yeah. Um but that's really where it's changed you know um, over the years like he said their company hasn't changed the fact that they're you're dedicated you have you have kind of an edge over a lot of carriers actually because it's a, maybe a little bit easier for you to recruit mm-hmm. maybe um, but really the process and how you reach the driver that really has changed mm-hmm. if you look at how the media mix has evolved for targeting drivers especially younger drivers five years ago even the media mix looked a lot different than it does today mm-hmm. today a bulk of what if you had a pie chart of a media mix for a carrier the bulk of that would be social and digital media because that's right. the way we're reaching them
1: mm-hmm. today
3: so it, it's all changed I think it's and, and now it changes even faster mm-hmm. um, than it did before
1: okay. So, Rich, I want to talk to you quickly about how, you know, she talks about the media mix, but yours is, a, is there wasn't really a media mix and how you found uh, your way into uh, becoming a professional truck driver. Talk about your, your journey of becoming a truck driver. Yeah,
4: um, actually, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was attending college at Western State in Gunnison, Colorado, and was going to transfer up to Denver for my second year, and I was looking for a, a job, um, a summer job, and uh, I was playing Xbox Live with... Uh, <laughs> An old high school friend, and was kind of telling him my situation. He informed me that um, that he was he just got a position at FedEx Freight working the dock overnight, and uh, immediately um, that attracted me to the position because, or to work on the dock because it allowed me to not only go to school at the same time, um, but the pay that FedEx was um, starting um, dock workers out at was about twice as much as I had made previously. So Mm -hmm. um, it's just interesting how social media comes in different forms. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, I I definitely think it plays a role in, in, in recruiting, for sure. Now, these are anecdotal examples, Steve. But you're the guy who knows the data the data on Millennials and the data on what's going on out there.
0: Well, that's I think that's why I was invited here today, Joe, because I don't I don't hire drivers. And I'm not a marketing <laughs> expert. I'm certainly not a professional truck driver. So, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent that Vigilo can, can bring some uh, insight, it will be, you know, trying to bring some data. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I uh, I actually did a little research in, in advance of the meeting here. And there's a organization actually based here in Washington, D.C. called Pew Research. And so I use them largely to pull some of these numbers. So I'll share some of these with you mm-hmm. that I think will help help us as the discussion unfolds here today to, to refer back to, to understand what the data tells us about this this pretty amazing millennial uh, generation. So kind of just, you know, if you, if you go back, I'll go back a hundred years, I promise we'll be very brief, but you know, if you kind of to go back through the history of, of the way we have categorized generations, you know, you go back to what we call the greatest generation. So that was people born prior to 1928. They were followed by what's called the silent generation, 1928 to about 1945. And then that gave rise to to us, Kevin and I for sure, Mm -hmm. you know, the baby boomers. Uh, You know, kind of 46 to 64, 1964. A little short, small generation, and they're the Gen Xers from 65 to about 80, and then our millennials, uh, which is currently still a running clock, from kind of 81 through kind of today. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting when you when we create these generational categories it's often done in hindsight so what may be happening under our very you know noses today is a new generation is coming post millennial but we mm-hmm. don't know that until we look back so you know kind of think of you know pretty much anybody born since 1981 as being in the millennial category for now with mm-hmm. the uh, with with a placeholder that we may go back and draw a line and start calling it something new that we don't know yet so but if we, if we kind of in that context, if we look at the millennials, I've got some interesting numbers that I think might, might help us uh, through the day here. So there's currently now over 77 million millennials in the United States. That now has become the largest generation. That has now surpassed the baby boomers. So that is the largest segment of our U.S. population. Uh, in 2015, they passed the 50% mark of the workforce, so the Millennials now make up the majority of the workforce and again I'm talking larger than just trucking but Mm -hmm. you know if you kinda we'll we'll look at this broadly and then narrow it back down to trucking Um, it is expected that by 2030 they will be 75 percent of the workforce and then of course growing on beyond that so a force to be reckoned with for sure Um, few interesting things highly educated 33 percent of Millennials have a four-year college degree that's the most highly college educated generation that has ever existed, ever mm. in history. So, highly educated, um, very diverse uh, 43% non white. 25% of them speak a language other than English at home. So, multilingual, culturally diverse, um, very interesting. Far and away, the most diverse generation we've ever seen in the United States. Um, technology. We just, you know, we heard about connecting through, a, through an Xbox game, so, you know, I mean, these guys are crazy. They're doing stuff that, right. you know, that we don't even imagine. Eighty-five percent smartphone uh, ownership in the millennial group, and they touch them 45 times a day. So 45 interactions with their smartphones a day. Ninety-seven percent of the millennials report that they look to their friend network for product decisions. That's incredibly powerful, and Priscilla knows all about that. But um, interesting, highly single, 26% of the millennial generation is married compared to at the same age during, in their generation, 36% of Generation X, about 48% of, of the baby boomers, and then going all the way back to the silent generation, 64% were all married at the same age as the, wow. as the millennials are. So highly educated uh... very diverse single uh, and have very strong opinions about their personal brand they Mm -hmm. have they have and we'll get into more of this in a bit but they expect things to happen quickly they expect to have an impact on their lives and whereas kevin and i come from a generation of of loyalty to the company hard work working for the gold watch after twenty five years that is absolutely not the way the millennial generation approaches their professional careers. They expect to be involved, they expect to be engaged, they expect to use technology and get answers and Mm -hmm. impact the world very quickly, largely through the use of technology and through these, these networks, their friend their tribes that mm-hmm. they create through these social networks. So very interesting. So that's that's the data we have that I that's think maybe amazing. gives us a framework to. That's amazing to data. talk about a bit later. So and you,
1: talk, you know, I didn't even think of Xbox when you when you mentioned MediaMix. But there's another thing, another way Absolutely. that this that this generation engages. And you, you talk about how much they're using technology. So and the diversity. So that, there's your challenge as a recruiter. You have all of this diversity, all of these different ways. You know, generations ago, you put an ad in the newspaper. Right. Now, I mean h- how do you decide? I mean social media is a huge part of the little generation's life and that's only going to continue going forward and what what are the favorite outlets now may not be the same favorite outlet two to, you know two years from now. How does that how does it how does social media play into the recruiting process?
3: Well, it's critical, honestly. Yeah. I mean social media is critical when we look especially at how do you recruit the younger generation? It is critical and he had you know, that's true, Xbox, Netflix, I mean, think about all the streaming mm-hmm. things that we binge watch today, you know, it's, it's and it changes all the time, but from a social media perspective, what we're seeing success in today, and again, you said it changes, and it, mm-hmm. it changes a lot, and it changes fast, but what we're seeing today is, today, Facebook is the number two best performing cost per hire strategy. In recruiting drivers today mm-hmm. and we work with about a hundred clients that is the number two and it might surpass the number one for 2017 mm-hmm. it's already trending very very well Instagram does very well with young the young generation also um, also whenever you're thinking about Facebook one of the things that we found is that younger drivers in particular prefer and honestly all of them to be honest because overwhelmingly the data shows that drivers prefer to learn about your company, not through a print ad or a static ad, mm-hmm. but they want to watch a video or they want to read a content marketing article. And video is really important. And so when you look at the stats on Facebook, when you compare apples to apples, you see if you place a static ad on Facebook for recruiting and you place a video ad, the video ad outperforms by 118% in conversions. Wow! So what that means is more than double the amount of drivers are clicking on a video ad to go to your landing page where they fill out a short form or an application or click-to-call function, you know, where they call you, more than if they would a static ad. And so that's pretty impactful. And, you know, there's there's lots of data around this. And and as you said, we were, Rich and I were talking earlier today before we even began, and, and he said, we were talking about Facebook, of course, mm-hmm. and he said, oh, I, I check mine all the time, and the data shows that 75% of drivers say they check Facebook daily. So we're we're always, we're, we're chasing those points of entry for the brands. Uh-huh. I mean that's really what a carrier has to do is how do I engage a young driver or any driver frankly on social media where I can bring them into my brand and that's uh-huh. in their news feed, with a video, with content. Your strategy has to be diverse but you also have to realize that it's, it's not like it was. Like you said, the right. process has completely right. changed. The newspaper ad is, is just mm-hmm. not what we do today as much. Right. I mean, there's still a little bit of that, but, but not as much for sure.
2: You know, I might add something on that. Mm-hmm. It just came to mind because uh, I was late in my life to get, getting my CDO. And it was in 2009. I remember part of the classroom was teaching. There was only seven students in the class, but five of them had no knowledge of how to get on the Internet because that was part of the course. That was mm-hmm. part of the, to go in to understand so you could do your due diligence, is what the instructor said, to find out various companies in your area. You just don't want to stay right around your mm-hmm. city. You might want to look out and, and do some research. So, Priscilla, I guess what I'm saying is, look, this has really transformed over the years because mm-hmm. if you think about it, that's only seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and five, five of, the, of the drivers had no knowledge on how to log in. So that was the basics, and, and so sure. look how where that's coming from
3: now. Absolutely. Like to
1: hear Rich's story on that is pretty awesome. So. Where, now, where do we think the age, where's where the age line there? Do you remember, like, roughly the age range of those drivers?
2: I would say uh, it was 32 to maybe 42. I was by far the oldest one.
1: And, uh,
2: uh, yeah, so that that's in that age group. They weren't 25 or 26 right out of school, but, but they were looking for, because they were laid off from another job, and they were mm-hmm. looking for a new career. Right. But they had never been accustomed. Their children were used to it, but they weren't as far as, well, Uh this is a waste of time. I came here to learn how to drive a truck. That was that thinking. And and the instructor was trying to say, hey, listen, number one, you need to do a little bit of work so that you just don't go to any trucking company, which, you know, that's another story another day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, every company is different. And that's what they were trying to say. Go on the Internet. And it was like, well, we don't know how to do it. They had the, had the, the laptops there, but they didn't know how to use them.
1: But it sounds like they were younger than you might expect. That's an interesting yeah. observation. Yeah. So, I mean, do, do you find, do you find Priscilla? There's a there's an age dividing line with I online think, and not, you know, online savvy and versus not.
3: I would say five years ago, probably. But today, like, Facebook says baby boomers are the, the largest, the fastest growing part of their platform. Right. Um, so my grandmother is 93. She has a Facebook page, <laughs> <laughs> um, and right. I know that because I got an alert. Her birthday's this week. You know, so. Right. Y- you are, I think, used to that was the case, um, not as much today. I don't think now there's okay. clearly a generational gap. I mean, things like Instagram and Snapchat and mm-hmm. all of those that emerge very, very quickly and become trendy. Certainly, my grandmother's not on Snapchat or Instagram, mm-hmm. but or the baby boomer driver types might not be as much on that platform. But they are players mm-hmm. um, and um, in the market, and that's where carriers have to get real creative with where do I tell my story, what channels do I tell my story on, and and how do I Mm -hmm. go about that. Right.
1: One carrier we spoke to actually at the Recruitment Intervention Conference um, was uh, was Dave Edwards from Cardinal Logistics and he spoke to us about how his company uses social media. We have some video from that and we will take a look at it right now. So let's let's hear from Dave.
5: We have uh, embraced the digital media space just like everyone has and, and basically we have eliminated almost all print advertising. Uh, We have embarked recently on on social media, and I was kind of, uh, I had to be dragged into that because I really didn't understand the the aspects of that in terms of recruiting, but it has been very, very a strong tool for us in in our toolkit. Um, We currently receive about 50 direct inquiries a day from Facebook, as well as about 150 shares, likes, forwards, and things like that. So the other thing about it is, you know, we are a, a support organization, recruiting and retention for the field operators. And we're starting to get some very, very good positive comments from our field operators. Uh, One of the operators called me last week and said he hired five drivers. All five of them came from Facebook, and they were all seasoned pros. So they not only see the quantity, but the quality of those folks coming on board.
6: Now, it's good to hear about seasoned pros, but we all know the reality, and it's interesting, not only is there a driver shortage, which Bob Costello says is only going to get bigger, and most people agree it's only going to get much bigger, but the average age of a driver is pushing half a century, which means retirement is not that far away. How do companies, how does Cardinal attract younger drivers, millennials in particular?
5: Well, um, fortunately, we are able, again, based on our business model, to attract pretty seasoned drivers. But speaking from an industry point of view, I sat down with four drivers yesterday from the road force, or the America's road team, and I asked them how they got into trucking. And all four of them said, my grandfather, my father, I grew up on a farm, so I was brought into it. You know, But there are re- significant barriers to getting into trucking right now. You know, it's like, don't go in the water until you know how to swim, and nobody's teaching you how to swim yet. So um, I think there has to be some significant changes in in the industry approach uh, in terms of maybe lowering the age of drivers. Um, You know, 18-year-olds can go overseas and fight and, you know, do logistics and transportation overseas. There's no reason why with a good training program they can't do that here as well.
6: They can also drive from San Francisco to Los Angeles, but they can't drive from Charlotte into South Carolina.
5: The industry is our worst enemy in some respects because, you know, that, but based on that example right there, we should be able to make some changes to accommodate that.
6: And it isn't, it isn't just the industry rules though. There's a perception out there that truck driving doesn't have the same positive image that it did say half a century, 25 years ago maybe. Do you agree with that and how do you combat that?
5: Well, I've uh, actually done some recruiting at some vocational schools where I go in and I tell folks about the industry and I show them the trucks and, I was at one not too long ago where there were 20 um, students and not one of them knew the potential earnings or the lifestyle or anything else associated with it. So a lot of it is just exposure to that, that age group or that, that demographic so we can start getting them interested in it. And again, if we make some changes you know, from a regulatory point of view, we can bring those people on and not have them face that gap of 18 to 21.
1: That was Dave Edwards from Cardinal Logistics. Quick reminder that uh, you're watching live on Web's program on recruiting young drivers. We invite viewers to contribute. I'll get it out. Contribute questions or comments. Uh, you can send them to share at ttnews.com. You can comment directly on this article page, and if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can just comment right directly in the comment box. So one of the things that uh, Dave talked about there was vocational schools and recruiting through, by, by either vocational schools or in high schools. Uh, a couple of our viewers actually uh, who logged in to uh, register for the show commented, I hope I get your names right. Uh, Yvette Leroy from Ontario Trucking Academy and Jorge either Leal or Leal from uh, New World Van Lines asked this very question, whether a driving school should be doing more with recruiting or there should there be more apprenticeship problems. Rich, I'll put that to you since you're a guy who's new to the industry. What do you think about Know, outreach via schools and such to you know, bring bring drivers in I think uh, well for me personally um,
4: exposure to the industry um, when I first started working on the dock for FedEx Freight on the overnight um, that that showed me the potential that the trucking industry had the opportunity I had to not only drive a truck and make more money but also promote from within um, and advance my career with FedEx um, that was something that was very attractive to me, but I didn't know about until I started working on the dock, and I saw the freight volumes that uh, we handled in mm-hmm. uh, the Denver Terminal and the different types of uh, products you know that we were delivering and picking up every day. So um, once I was exposed to that, it, I, I, th- I think think it would definitely help um, help show you know my generation this industry is, is huge and our economy relies heavily on the mm-hmm. success of it and the operation of uh, delivering and picking up rates, so um, just, yeah, getting that exposure and by however means necessary. Right.
1: And that exposure is important and one of the things that comes up a lot in the industry, and Kevin I'll, I'll put this question to you, you know the FMCSA limitation on uh, interstate travel for 18 to 21 year old drivers, it's, it's an area where we would love to see more drivers coming in but a driver can drive intrastate if he's 19 years old so he can go all the way across Texas, but he can't go from here in Arlington, Virginia you know, across the river into Maryland. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, on on that law?
2: You know, if there's a hot button on, on today's discussion, it's what you just said because this is something that I've been talking about for probably 10 years. And the fact that we knew that there was going to be a driver shortage, uh, it didn't just happen overnight. This has been building up. And what's frustrating is with the uh, demographics, if you will, that you just said. I can do the same thing. Dayton, Ohio, is roughly 50 miles north of the Kentucky border and the driver if he's 18 or 20 to 21 can't go there but but yet w- we can go between say Dayton Ohio and Toledo there's only one way to go there it's I-75 it's 165 miles up mm-hmm. 165 miles back so he can get a, all day work in there but I can't send him to Kentucky <laughs> Dayton to Richmond Indiana is 30 miles I can't send him over to or, or her to, over to Indiana so it's mm-hmm. been a problem that we need to address right and every state in the union has younger drivers. And, you know, I understand the fact that we don't want 18-year-olds that are going to be behind an 80,000-pound unit going out to California. We're not saying that. We've always said, and and we're getting closer to it, a graduated system where they can drive during the day with a mentorship-type situation and get them started. But we already have a record. I wish that we would get the states to uh, relinquish some of that information. We've got mm-hmm. the driving records of, of many of those uh, students, if you will, that are younger drivers. And if you, if you talk about the time frame and the difference in the generations, many of those drivers were, came from uh, farms, if you will, or their dad or their grandfather. And so now we have get the younger generation and where they may be not living on a farm or didn't have anything in there. So we've, we've voided some of that out. And, and you know, I guess what I'm saying is with all the new regulations that we have coming on board, we've got a perfect storm. We've got uh, an aging workforce. You know, statistics show that the average worker, if you will, is 42 years old. The average uh, truck driver, male or female, is 50. So we already got eight years that are already, you know, behind the gun, if you will. So if you've finished my perfect storm, we've got an aging workforce. We've got kind of, we've done a, not a bad job, but a pathetically poor job getting the younger generation involved in our industry and then you you bring a spike in the economy, if you will, and you've got a driver shortage, a Mm -hmm. critical one. Now we have new regulations, such as electronic logging devices. We also know for the fact that we're going to need more drivers to handle the same amount of freight. So when you put all that in the box and you shake it up, uh, we need to get the younger drivers. Sooner or later, hopefully before I retire, we're going to be able to say that a 19-year-old or 20 has gone through a progressive program can cross the state line. It reminds me of, I don't want to say go back to the Civil War, but it reminds me of these boundaries that you better not go over the state line because you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. If you're a professional truck driver, you go through the mandated uh, rules and regulations of the DOT to get your CDL. Uh-huh. You should be able to cross those uh, those borders. So as we get closer to that, I, I hope that that's going to that's happen. And, and we need unity on that to get everybody to talk through because we certainly, we are safer today than we've been in many years. And we certainly don't want to change that record by putting younger drivers that are in, inexperienced. But there's a training process because I know, I originally came from Detroit, Michigan. It's a large inner city area. Uh, and I know I did a study about 10 so years ago that 30-some percent were unemployed that were 24 or, or younger. All right, so why can't we put these folks to work, if you will, mm-hmm. given the opportunity to pay taxes, to move America's goods. So I'm all for it. It's just got to be properly done. And I, every day, if if I can talk about it, I do.
1: Mm-hmm. And if, if change ever comes, of course, it'll probably be based on data. Mm-hmm. So I'm throwing that one to you, yeah. Steve. So I yeah. mean, speaking broadly, you
0: know, we're going to. The, the proof has to be in
1: the pudding, I suppose. So,
0: sure, sure. So I, you know, I I agree with Kevin on the the data. The, the data we need from the states. So, you know, I have. You know, I, I like to, to connect the dots here to to our soldiers. You know, we we are willing to deploy troops into war at 18. I have some personal experience. My oldest son, who's about to turn 32, solidly a millennial, uh, joined the army at 17 and went to boot camp, went to jump school, and was deployed to the Middle East while he was still 17, unable to enter the war on his 18th birthday. He crossed into Iraq wow. and joined his company. So. I have some personal experience and some personal knowledge of the the skill and the integrity and and what is available in our young people and Mm -hmm. so I think you know Vigilo lives in a world of the safety regulations so we understand those pretty well we know the FMCSA understands them pretty well but I wouldn't I don't want to beat up our friends at the agency but there are Mm -hmm. there's more than one place in the regulations where lines get drawn arbitrarily so I think it would be a really good uh, initiative whether it's mm-hmm. done by private companies or the industry or the government to open up some of that state data and let's look at the driving history of some of these young drivers mm-hmm. I, I, we all agree we don't want to put young inexperienced drivers behind the wheel of a large over the road truck mm-hmm. that's not the way anybody wants to start this but you know there is opportunity i think to bring these younger people into this amazing industry and start mm-hmm. these amazing careers and the data is there we just need to start looking at it mm-hmm. so that's my, that's my uh, shout-out to the FMCSA. Let's work on this.
1: All right. Well, one of the things that we, another one of the interviews we conducted at the R&R conference was with Jeremy Stickling um, from Nussbaum, and he talked about the opportunity as well. He, he, he made up some pretty interesting points about the opportunities that exist with the younger generation that people may not think of and where they might actually have an edge in coming into the industry. So we'll hear from Jeremy right now.
7: Yeah, when I first got there, it was almost all word of mouth and print ad. Um, some things we started doing, I'd say, about five years ago, we started wading into some of the destination job boards, um, not aggregators, but where drivers were going to put in applications. Um, and about three or four years ago, we started experimenting with Tier 2 search engines, the Indeeds, the formerly, simply Hireds, and some of them. And the last couple years, we've gotten... More into social media. Right now, Facebook is our yeah. biggest producer of leads, actually. Okay. Now, you are a millennial
6: yourself, I guess. We'd put you in that ballpark.
7: Just, just bear it. 1984 is the year, right? 85 is
6: when I was born. I think so. I, they could, I've heard 82, 80. You're right around that ballpark. Yeah. Um, I imagine your average driver is older than you are at this point. Yes. Uh, that is the nationwide trend that the average driver is somewhere over 50. Yes, yeah, somewhere around
7: 50 is where I'd put that. Right.
6: And freight volumes are supposed to go up massively in the next 30 years you see those two elements coming, it's like physics, it's a bad thing having older drivers who are going to retire more freight volume needing to be shipped how is Nussbaum finding younger drivers? Yeah, We've had to get
7: uh, more open minded, more creative um, the days of hiring the driver with at least two, three years experience who has exactly the records you want are probably over. In the last year, we've waded into student drivers. So we have our own training program now. And that's been a good feeder for new entrants. So you get some younger um, drivers through that medium. Got some guys in their 30s.
6: Um, Tell me about the student
7: program. How does it work? So we will, uh, we take guys with the CDL already and we will put them in with a trainer for a month. And then we have them go solo, limited region, so we're coast-to-coast, border-to-border, we'll keep them Midwest on their own for a month. And then they'll learn everything that they didn't, things that they thought they maybe knew, they'll learn where the knowledge gaps are yet, and we put them with a trainer for a second uh, month. And hopefully, Anything that they realize needed to work on in that first solo
6: session, they'll pick up in that second one. You just talked about things they needed to work on. Have you ever had a resistance from saying, I already have my CDL, why why do I need more training? We find the opposite
7: with students. These guys come and a lot of them have a very blank slate. It's teach me, I'm all ears. In some ways, I'll tell new drivers in orientation when I'm talking to experienced guys, I'll ask them how much experience they have. And some guys say 10, 15, 20, and usually got a couple of three or four years experience. This is the the non-student orientations. And I'll tell the guys with two, three, four years, you have somewhat of an advantage. Because the guys that have come from driving 20, 30 years ago, successful trucking used to be defined by get her done, get the load off. That made you a successful truck driver. Today, it's almost like drive like a sissy and you'll be successful
6: to find that what are you talking
7: about it's all about being safe being conservative being legal being compliant um it's not about i had this impossible load and i got it done don't ask me how it's um i've been compliant i've been legal i've been productive but within these boundaries and and one thing i'll go on this rabbit trail quick um, when i say open slate So we're a pretty hands-on company. Um, Whether you want it or not, as a driver, we have all kinds of advice on how you drive, on driving skills. Um, We have event recorders. We're coaching guys constantly. And if you got 20 years under your belt, especially if you haven't had an accident in those 20 years, um, it's a lot harder to take it from us. I understand why. It's just human nature. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. How about you tell me what you think I should do and I'll tell you what's wrong with your um, analysis of my driving. With these students or even the younger drivers, there's a lot more open-mindedness to, yeah, I'm building my profession, what works, um, give me advice, I'm, I'm listening. So with the students, we've really found that the way we coach and we preach for a driver to drive is a lot more easily received.
1: Jeremy Stickling from Nussbaum Transportation. A reminder once again to our viewers that you're watching the Live One web program featuring or focusing on recruiting young drivers. We invite your comments. Uh, you can email us at share at ttnews.com. You can make a comment directly on this page and if you're watching via Facebook Live you can just reach right out via the comment window. Uh, I did want to touch on something Jeremy said there. He, uh, he, he made the comment that uh, maybe younger drivers have an advantage over older drivers. You know, I'll, I'll paraphrase and say he's talking more about how younger drivers might be more used to the culture of compliance, you know, versus getting the load there, you know, no matter what the cost, don't ask me any questions. That, that's an interesting comment. I'm curious to hear, you know, what, you know, Kevin, I'll, I'll pick on you. What do you, th- you think about that comment?
2: Well, you know, we still get, get the job done no matter what age, I think. And I think people take pride. I mean, uh, professional truck drivers, uh, I've always said this, they have a, a common thread. The common thread is to do the right thing and they get it done. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that's an age situation, but I will say that I think it changed the paradigm a little bit. Uh, middle management, and the dispatch, and whatnot, how we relate to uh, the younger drivers, if you will, as they come in is something that I think uh, at our company we try to go through that process. Because I think the younger drivers today want a little bit more praise. Uh, they want to make sure that they do the right thing, that they are correct. Uh, It's not so much a get-or-done type of thing, but Mm -hmm. in saying that, uh, we've got to educate the people that are giving them instructions as well, because it's terrible to get somebody and spend all the money to get them, you know, into your company, make sure that they're certified, got all the paperwork in line, and all of a sudden you've got somebody that's in that that sweet spot there that is the actual face-to-face contact Mm -hmm. that says something to offend them or they can't relate to, you know, let's face it, what, what you were asking me earlier, 10 or 15, 20 years ago, you might break up uh, an appointment for a doctor, or you might not go to a, an anniversary dinner or whatnot. That's a little bit different now. The culture's a little changed, and you've got to mm-hmm. work a little bit. So those little things that years ago probably to a lot of the dispatch or supervisors would uh-huh. uh, say, absolutely not, you didn't give us two-week notice, you've got to be flexible. I don't know mm-hmm. whether you run into that with some of your clients, but that's, that's the way that, that, right. that you've got to react to it. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Episode? Yeah.
3: yeah. The work-life balance is huge for this generation. And I mean, I think that's that's big and you have to be able to, like you said, your fleet managers and your dispatchers and your operations folks have to be aware that they have different priorities and they look at a, a ball game, a t-ball game, or seeing their daughter at cheer, you know, something, cheerleading or dance or whatever. That's a big deal and they don't want to miss out on those things. And, um, so we have to, as an industry, figure out how can we be flexible, like you said.
1: And even we're, we're getting comments, you know, coming in during the show right now live and also before we, the, the millennials' uh, propensity to job hop. So and we, let's talk about that. You know, you train somebody and then they bail or something along those lines. Like that, 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 there's a high cost to that. How do you, how, you know, is, is that a big part of it, just making the, you know, the quality of life and the praise? Is, is that one of the ways that we prevent this generation from job hopping?
2: Well, I think it is. It's just like at our company, and I think even if if I had two hundred trucks or, or fifteen thousand, you've got to have the mentality of one driver at a time. Not every driver is the same, and, and if you can, and it starts from the top down, you've got to work that. But it isn't like if you don't like the job, just leave the keys there. It's not your truck. You don't make the payment. Those days are long gone. And if I hear that in any of our operations, I'm definitely involved in it
5: because mm-hmm. we're going to
2: make some corrective action right away. But as you said earlier, Priscilla, that, that's, you've got to do that contact and you've got to be concerned. It can't be fake. It's got to be sincere that you do have a ball game later on or you've got an anniversary and you've been on the road or whatever, and, and you've got to make that thing work. And if you don't, they're going to leave, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. I, we said earlier, a couple of years, I think 90 days, that really tells a story because you're going to, t- you're going to tell the culture of that company uh, two years, that's way out there now for, for drivers since mm-hmm. 90 days.
1: Rich, what do you have to say about that? The, you know, the cultural difference, your generation versus maybe some of the people you're working alongside who have been in the, you know, in the industry longer. What do you see in terms of differences, expectations? As far as the cultural difference goes, I think uh, sometimes um, me
4: being a newer driver, um, I've only been driving for four years, um, so I've been, I had to learn from the beginning how to deal with the new technologies, and I think... Um, Newer drivers are going to be able to to adapt to the changing technology a little bit easier. Um, that being said, I don't I don't necessarily look um, at my coworkers, drivers who are older than me, um, as any more or less capable of um, you know being as safe as you possibly can out there driving. Um, do what you doing what you can to get the job done. I mean, uh, ultimately, our job as drivers is to just um, operate as safely and efficiently as possible and uh, get home safely to our families every day. So um, I can only speak for myself, obviously, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think, uh, yeah.
1: Okay. So. And we also get, we, we're getting, we've gotten several questions also about, you know, benefits, I mean, the, the obvious nuts and bolts kind of stuff, pensions and health care. One person even asked about uh, is health care reform going to have an effect, you know, I don't know. But, you know, in, in terms of the benefit packages and the things that, you know, that millennials are expecting from the company, is there any change there?
3: I think now we have to be more aware that, that the younger generation coming up wants to know a clear career path. Where where do where am I going? Whereas before it was kind of the get her done, I'm going for the twenty five year watch, like you said, but but now it's where what are my opportunities, where can I go? What can I do? Um, and I think that as an industry we have to get better at identifying a clear defined career path for a driver.
1: Okay. You know, uh, our, uh, one more video, this was from Tim Norland at uh, Martin Transport. He talked a lot about the historical perspective, what he's seen in years past and what he sees coming forward. So we'll t- we'll, uh, we'll hear from Tim right
6: now.
8: Uh, we're at about 2,750 trucks right
6: now. And over your time with Martin, that's been pretty... Growing pretty steadily. The, the, or?
8: the last four years, we've added about seven hundred trucks. To wow, the fleet.
6: that's impressive. How do you think you guys have done that?
8: Listening to what the drivers want, and and responding, and and creating the jobs that they're looking for. Um, today's drivers are looking for more frequent home time. They're looking for more consistent
6: earnings, and uh, we've been able to deliver on those fronts. Speaking of delivering, uh, do you deliver? How big? A, how many states are you guys running?
8: Martin's a nationwide carrier. Um, we've got multiple facets within our company, traditional long haul over the road, um, multiple regional fleets running certain geographic areas of the country, and uh, we've really expanded into the dedicated um, realm, a lot of dedicated fleets.
6: Is it harder finding people willing to do OTR than it was when you got started with Martin?
8: It is. It is. There's a, That's a niche anymore. Uh, there's a few drivers that still want to do that, and we're happy to... Uh, to help them out and bring them on board. But a lot of the drivers are looking for the home time.
6: So is there going to be an increasing tension then, Tim, between your customers who need you to do OTR and people who don't want to drive OTR? How are you going to fill those seats?
8: Well, that's where intermodal comes into play. Uh, intermodal's helped uh, alleviate some of the pressure there by, by uh, having drivers pick up the loads, take them to the railheads, they get uh, taken on the train to destination where another local driver picks them up and
6: delivers them, now we've kind of got the best of both worlds going on. Um, I assume your workforce is like most companies, that they're of a certain age, they're not all 30-year-old kids.
8: Right, and they're getting older. And they're getting <laughs> older.
6: So uh, today's millennials, and we've already heard this at the conference today, they were told as a, a young people, here's your trophy just for participating. Uh, they seem to be portrayed as being more choosy. They need a lot of home time, and you did discuss the intermodal piece of it. But in basically, forget that for the moment. How do you? Are their needs different? Is it harder to find them? Is it harder to keep them than somebody more our age?
8: They are. Uh, they're they're more focused on the home time and consistent earnings versus uh, the long haul drivers. That we're all about the miles and the rate per mile so uh you know we're, and the dedicated has helped us focus on those younger drivers and attract the younger drivers because those jobs tend to provide more frequent home time
6: now in a recession which we have not been out of too long you probably have people desperate for jobs now the economy has come back are you finding it one harder to find people although you're not you're hiring a lot of people and two where are you finding is it all social media today where are you finding people uh,
8: digital. Uh, a lot more on digital, less on the print side. Um, drivers are very tech savvy. Most drivers are connected with smartphones, uh, tablets. Um, we find our drivers certainly are. Um, how we're finding them, the drivers are out there. It's, they're very selective on the jobs that they're willing to consider, and then it's a matter of selling the jobs that we have to those drivers. But if you offer the drivers what they're looking for, the more frequent home time, the more consistent earnings. Um, we've had a little bit of a better opportunity to to add drivers to the fleet because of that.
1: That was Tim Norland from Martin Transport. Tim, thank you. And Priscilla, I'm going to turn to you after that comment because he uh, he was talking a lot about the role of technology in drivers' lives, not just you know, not not just social media, but the actual the nuts and bolts of it, if you will. Access to Wi-Fi, having a mobile device. You know, maybe it's TV in the truck. You tell me. What are, what are, what are the important things, technology-wise?
3: Yes, I think all of those are important. Honestly, I think the technology inside and outside of the truck. So we have to keep in mind that this generation is addicted to their devices. <laughs> uh, frankly, I am, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're addicted to their devices. And so when you think about that, what does that mean for a carrier? That means everything you do should be mobilized, should be mobile. And I think I saw um, a data point last week that said one out of three of the top two hundred and fifty carriers does not have a mobile-friendly website, which could be tragic for your recruiting efforts. If you are a driver and you're trying to fill out an app where you're having to constantly adjust your device, it's just not going to happen. And so you mm-hmm. literally are losing that lead. And so mobile traffic is or mobile is huge. Speaking of mobile, the traffic that we see, we manage hundreds of. Um, driver landing pages and 90% of the traffic is mobile and so wow. that they just are yeah. um, Wi-Fi is really important I mean, I mean if you think about um, you know the act having access to Wi-Fi we we all really need that in our lives today and probably a driver more than any mm-hmm. so I think just thinking about the lifestyle and what we ask them to do anything that we ask them to do improving the experience from a technology standpoint is the best way to go. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about following that driver journey. How does he find out about your company and what does all of that look like through the technology that they use today?
1: Right. Rich, are you you addicted to your devices? (laughs) Um, My wife thinks I'm addicted. (laughs) She tells me to put the phone
4: down all the time. Constantly checking Facebook, looking at, uh, just absorbing so much information. Um, I think that was a good point, Priscilla, about how accessing um, websites through your phone. That is a, that's a really frustrating thing. You mm-hmm. go to a link and you're trying to uh, navigate through the website. Um, it gets difficult when they're not. Uh, they're not. The software isn't developed for the mobile phone specifically. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that helps. Um, as far as uh, other technology um, and kind of what I was talking about earlier, as far as um, improving the safety of you know driving every day. Um, some of the things FedEx does, um, we have vehicle stability systems, um, collision mitigation systems that help um, aid drivers and uh, help prevent uh, rear-end collisions. Um, and then we also have lane um, detection warning systems mm-hmm. that help alert the drivers if they're swerving from side to side. I think um, a lot of my coworkers um, see that new technology and they're kind of um, they're not used to it, so. Um, it's a little bit harder for them to adapt to it, but for me personally I see it as a huge opportunity to not only improve the safety but improve the um, mm-hmm. just the overall driving experience it makes us better drivers and it helps keep the motoring public more safe so um, okay that's a little bit farther into the more mechanics of driving than the social media form but or the website form but that's kind of just how I feel about the technology and how it's advancing. Um,
1: so, that's an, but it, that's an important I, generational shift and something that...
0: Yeah, can I just comment on that? Because I, I, I think Rich said something that we all need to listen very carefully to. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to go out and say, oh, you're addicted to your phone and, you know, you're just, you know, posting cat memes on Facebook <laughs> or, you know, bashing <laughs> your least favorite politician or uh-huh. something. But that's not what Rich said. He's absorbing information. And that is the key piece that we need to understand about how the millennials are interacting with this technology. You know, Kevin and I are putting the cat memes up. He's doing something different with this. And I think that's mm-hmm. the key thing that, I, that, that Rich said that we need to we need to understand and listen to. It's not just playing around with Facebook. He's absorbing information, and he expects that information to give him uh, the ability to impact his life, his job, how much money he makes, his family, mm-hmm. all that. So I think that was an important thing that you said there, Rich.
1: Great. Thank you. Sorry. And this, this, this leads beautifully into our last video, actually, uh, from Rob Hatchett, VP of Recruiting at Covenant. He talked a lot about where, where technology is impacting driving and where he thinks maybe some of this talk is, uh, is, is, over, is overdone. So well, we'll hear from Rob, and then we'll wind things up.
9: You know, one thing that I've been trying to figure out for the past years is how can we get unlimited Wi-Fi in the truck? Because you think about the life that we all live. If you took my phone away from me for 10 hours, so you're going to drive for 10 hours you can't be on your phone i changed my life. I mean, go 10 hours without being on my phone? You know? And so, uh, so, so, so but we're asking people to come in and change their life that have been used to using this technology. You know, you can't do it while you're driving. And then you're going to stop for the night, and you're going to be in a place that doesn't have Wi-Fi. And so your dad is going to be eaten up really, really quick. So what are you going to do the rest of the month when your dad has gone? You're going to have to pay a huge bill. And you, Now, you'll get to the truck stop, and you'll have some Wi-Fi, but it, we live a life to where you don't have an unlimited package, or you don't have a signal, your life has changed. Because then you can't FaceTime, you can't Snapchat, and you can't Facebook. And that's the life that, that many of us know. And so if you asked me, hey, we're going to pay you better, but you're going to have to give up that stuff, I'm, no, no, thank you. I, I'm, I'm not addicted. It's just, it's just part of life. Technology is part of life. And that's what we're asking them to do. So the TVs are good. You know, Sirius is fantastic. It's, it's connecting them, but really it's that Wi-Fi that allows them to truly connect, to truly see their family, we gotta make sure that is there, and that's when I'm scratching my head on going, I don't know that we've figured that out yet, and we can't keep asking people to change their life.
6: (laughs) And the flip side is, things that may change this industry's life, autonomous. We're hearing about autonomous, 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 we had the auto beer run, we know some of the other things are going on with platooning and whatever else. Are you finding that these students you hire know about any of this stuff, and is it an attraction for them, they think it's really cool, or are they going, oh my, this is horse and buggy land, they're not going to need truck drivers by the time I'm Rob's age.
9: Well, I don't know that I'm the person to ask that question to because I, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, a naysayer and going, uh, that don't bother me one bit, you know, uh, and you hear about drones taking all our packages everywhere, and I'm sitting here going, I mean, maybe we figure some stuff out, and hey, I may be proving completely wrong, you may show this video in five years going, listen, this guy, he didn't know what he was talking about, But, um, you know, you could throw neat, cool stuff to where what of it is just, okay, we can do a little bit of it, but what of it truly catches on and changes life? Hey, we're we're truckers. We're running freight. If that happens, great, but we're not thinking about it much. And so everybody reads it and what's going to happen. And so, but uh, personally, we're still so far off. And, uh, and I'm also interested to see what the insurance companies have to say about autonomous trucks, and and, and that's something that uh, that they play a big factor in this industry. So, uh, so but uh, I don't lose any sleep. Is there is As is, is overseeing you know 5,000 hires a year? I, I'm not I'm not thinking about that much at all.
1: Thanks, Rob. So Rob touched on something there that we've touched on throughout this program, but driver turnover, keeping them around. Uh, you know, he ma- he made the point kind of broadly in the context of you know autonomous, I suppose, that I'm recruiting 5,000 drivers a year. He's not too terribly worried about, you know, an automated truck or self-driving trucks coming in and upending his life. But um, in talking about turnover, how do you keep them happy and how much are we worried about, you know, technology coming in and taking their jobs away?
2: Well, you know, I'll I'll take a stab at that. That's kind of a twofold question, if you will, because driver turnover, you know, within the last 10 years, the truckload side has been as high as 130. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's record, uh, I think it was a, a month or so ATA re- reported back, I think it was 89, which is a little bit of a, an improvement, if you will. But LTL is, is single digits. It's been single digits for a long time. So those, those are some numbers that you have to kind of play with because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, 500,000 Trucking companies and they all operate a little bit different, different sizes. And they have different turnover rates and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think there was an injustice on the autonomous truck issue on the beer. Everybody knows about the beer run. Uh, nobody wants to pull up next to a truck and not see anybody in the cab. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it's ludicrous. I mean, that, that's that's scary for me to see. And so I think it pushed everything back a little bit because everybody's got a little bit of fear factor in that mm-hmm. now. And that's why everybody says, well, Kevin, they've got automatic pilot, you know, pilot school. They can go anywhere they want, and it's on automatic. They can land a plane, really, without a pilot in there. That's not necessarily true in the fact that that pilot isn't back on row 23C where I'm sitting. He's uh, he's up there in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. So that, right. that there was a little bit of disparity in there that really kind of put us behind on the autonomous truck. I think, just like anything else, we can't keep our head in the, in the sand, if you will. We've got to be available to talk about it. I know Steve's got some thoughts on that, right. too.
8: Yeah, I do.
0: Go right ahead. Um, so, yeah, so the autonomous truck so there 's a lot of discussion, a lot of different opinions about uh, the the spectrum, the time spectrum. When will this happen? Is it going to mm-hmm. happen soon? Is it going to happen years or decades from now? So I think I, my own personal opinion is it 's already happened um, we 've seen it right We all last October saw the load of beer get delivered mm-hmm. from I think it was Fort Collins, Colorado, Fort Colorado, Colorado right in your home state, rich down yeah. to Colorado Springs, about one hundred and thirty five miles we 've all seen the imagery right we 've seen the pictures from inside the truck where that driver was back in the sleeper berth and that truck was driving itself and it got there. I think it had an escort of about twenty-eight cops but uh, you know it got there safely. So it's already happened. Now the question is how fast does the adoption cycle take? So here, here would be my uh, you know my parting comment here is for all of us maybe to just open our minds a little bit and think beyond that imagery because that's not what I think is going to happen. It's not that we're going to move the drivers to sit in the sleeper berth and these trucks are going to drive themselves around and we don't need the driver anymore. And again, you mentioned the airlines. Great analogy. Look at, there's still a pilot, there's still a co-pilot, there's usually a flight engineer. There's still three people in that cockpit and those things are robots. They are incredibly autonomous, an, an airliner, but they still are there. But look at the jobs, their jobs changed. While they are in that cockpit with the airliner operating without their assistance, They're doing other things. They're checking the weather. They're looking at whether the gate's going to be open on arrival. They're thinking through the comfort of the passengers. They're thinking through a broader job than just Mm -hmm. operating the airplane. And that's where I'd like to have us think about where truck driving may go. Let's break the mold. Somebody's going to do it. It's probably going to be rich. He's going to go back. It's somebody from his generation is going to look at this and go, no, this is not the way to do this. That's what they do right they're Mm -hmm. going to find a better way so there's a lot of people working on the autonomous truck and that's fine I think maybe there's out over the horizon a completely different way to look at the job that will be hugely attractive to the Millennials and hugely uh, important to the trucking industry will be more efficient and be more profitable and be safer Mm -hmm. when we think beyond just moving a driver into the sleeper berth and letting the truck drive by itself it's a much bigger picture than that in my opinion
1: Great point. And Rich, you know, along what he's saying, you talked about, you know, the comfort level with the, with the, with the safety system. So, you know, do you, do you kind of agree with Steve that that, you know, be your generation or you who might have a, have, a, have a comfort level with something like that going forward?
4: Well, for newer drivers, like I said before, it's easier for me to jump into the truck with this new technology and learn the new technology and learn how to adapt with the, the job itself. Um, yeah, I think that definitely, that definitely might interest some people. I know... A lot of people that i tell my my peers and everything that i tell i drive a truck every day in the city and I do pick up and pick up and deliveries um they say how oh, how do you do that it's like well you just kind of learn how to do it um you just got to be motivated you got to try and stay s- as safe as you possibly can um but yeah as far as the the technology goes i don't think that's ever been something that i really thought about deeply mm-hmm. um impacting my you know ability to uh continue my career working for FedEx at least, so
1: mm-hmm. I'm not that concerned. Okay. I think we'll let, we'll, let, we'll let our truck driver have the last word there, because it's been an outstanding panel and a lot of great ideas. I want to thank all of our panelists for making the time today. I want to thank you for watching this uh, version of Live on Web. Um, all of us at Transport Topics appreciate the input from all of you who commented either before you, uh, you signed up or after. Uh, specifically, I'll name them Thank you to Kevin Birch from Jet Express, Priscilla Peters of Conversion Interactive, Steve Bryan from Vigilo, and Rich Marich of FedEx Freight. Special thanks also to EBE Technologies for sponsoring today's fantastic show. If you missed any part of this show or would like to watch the whole thing again, a replay will be posted later today at our website, ttnews.com, and also at liveonweb.ttnews.com. The next Live on Web program, Market Calendars, April 5th, when we will take a look at the release of Transport Topics list of the top 50 logistics companies for 2017, and take a hard look at the future of freight brokerage. Until then, I'm Joe Howard of Transport Topics, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for watching.